This is an enormous jigsaw puzzle. We're all part of the same jigsaw puzzle. Some pieces get old, some pieces get worn, and some pieces die as new pieces are born. The holes in the puzzle, the puzzle in the holes, the holes in the puzzle, the puzzle of the holes, the holes in the puzzle, the puzzle of the holes. So you see, we're all puzzling these pieces of each other over, puzzling each other out, sister and brother, with one achievable goal, figuring out the holes in the puzzle and the puzzle of the holes, the holes in the puzzle and the puzzle in the holes. So you see, when people die, we lose pieces. And that's why there are these big holes in the jigsaw puzzle. And these holes make the puzzle weak in some areas. And in other places, they make the puzzle stronger. Pieces get together, hold on harder. Hold each other just a little longer. We're all part of the same jigsaw puzzle. And sometimes odd pieces don't seem to fit anywhere, right? Some pieces, they don't know where they belong yet. But you find your hole, you know, when you get there. And some pieces forget they are pieces of the jigsaw puzzle, huh? Some pieces forget they are pieces of peace. A whole piece, a hole in the piece, a piece in the hole, and a hole in the piece, holes in the puzzle, puzzle in the holes, holes in the puzzle, puzzle in the hole, 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 piece of piece, a hole. In the whole and the pieces of peace. Now, some pieces are white as snow, and other pieces are jungle trees, and some pieces are all water, and others are hot and dry, like the desert. knew we'd fit together. You and me always knew we'd fit together. And I believe that's because we're from the same corner of the jigsaw puzzle. At least that's how it feels when we hold hands. That's how it is when I'm with my friends. The hole in the puzzle, the puzzle
puzzle of the holes The hole in the puzzle The puzzle in the holes You know, some parts of the puzzle are strong And some pieces find that they can fit together and hold on to each other And did you know that if we were on the moon Looking down Looking down, looking down We'd just see a half-finished jigsaw puzzle On a tea tray next to a mug of cold tea And a plate of biscuits (laughs) Hole in the puzzle Puzzle in the hole Hole in the puzzle Puzzle in the hole Above all, you see we've got lots of holes, got a lot of work to do. And the puzzle isn't always simple, but the reality of being a piece in a jigsaw puzzle, well, you know, that's simple enough. It's easy. If someone smiles at you, just smile back. And be sure you always chat with your local shopkeeper. Talk about the weather at bus stops and take your time, take each day as it comes. Be sure to seek out all the humour and tenderness and be generous with the shape you were made. So much to offer everyone. So much to offer everyone. We're all in the same jigsaw puzzle. We're all figuring this jigsaw puzzle out. We're all unique and individual pieces of this one piece, of this one big and beautiful jigsaw puzzle. singing, shouting, screaming. The day the circus horses will stop turning around, running fast through the green valleys, will sing and cry and shout. Today the cars will lay in heaps, their wheels turning in vain. We'll 
run along the empty highways, shouting, screaming, singing. The day young boys will stop becoming soldiers, and soldiers will stop playing war games. We'll sing and cry and shout. The day will come up that we will wake up, hearing the shouts of joy and shouting together with the freaks. upside down, we'll run together round and round, screaming, shouting, singing. Welcome to Roaring Twenties Radio, a brand new programme on Soho Radio created to amplify the best of art, culture, books, poetry and activism as we roar into the next decade. My name is Selena Godden and I'm here with my friends Amma Rose Abrams. Hello. And Matt Abbott. Hi. And we're here for the second episode of Roaring Twenties Radio. Today we have a mix of all kinds of things. We have poetry and art and books and all the good stuff. But before we go any further, I'd like to start with asking Matt um, a little bit about reactions, reactions to how 2019 ended and how 2020 has begun. So Matt, what have you got to share with us? Well, I don't think I'm alone in saying that the election result hit me like a ton of bricks. Um, last time we were in here, we were talking about the election with a little bit of hope and a little bit of resistance and a belief that people would maybe look at what was good and what was bad and vote for the good one. And they rather sensationally didn't. Um, and I think one of the problems for me is that the most most of the people that I interact with on a daily basis are fellow artists and poets. Um, and I know a lot of artists and poets who went out doorstepping, went out campaigning. And I think because we all spoke to each other and exchanged ideas and stories, we sort of tricked ourselves into believing that it was going to be OK. And then it wasn't. And then Christmas and New Year and the January blues, a lot of artists and freelancers have the January blues. So it's been a tough one, but um, we'll get through it, won't we? We will. We will. Pessimism is for lightweights. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. It was just, I think after story, stocking up so much optimism and I, I'm not its I'm not necessarily coming at this from a perspective standpoint, it was just the initial reaction because there was so much amazing art and poetry out there in the run-up to the election and then it wasn't just that they won, it was the historic landslide. It was just, yeah, like I say, it was a ton of bricks. It was really, really hard to take and the fact that I don't know any other line of work where you could get away with saying some of the things that he said and not lose your job and he's done that and become prime minister do you know what i mean like and i just can't believe that 
that's what's won, that's what people have chosen for, and that's what's running the country for the next five years. It's just, as an artist and a poet, I guess you're more sensitive and you're more likely to read into things or whatever. But yeah, it was tough, but I know that we've got ample resources to get us through it in a variety of ways, which is one of these things, one of the things that this show is doing, so it's all right. Absolutely, and I feel like there was a real coming together after a lot of people kind of getting in touch and talking about their disappointment or their or a sense of a big anti-climax basically and how to cope with that and then it was a lot about looking at the future wasn't it like how will we progress and I felt like a lot of people have been coming up with really wonderful solutions and wonderful ideas about how to fill in the gaps where we think that the government may you know not not fill in the gaps <laughs> might not help so kind of thinking about the vulnerable and how you can help people in your neighborhood and that kind of thing i don't know if you've had the same experience i think it's just i think a lot of people uh after the initial shock of it like you say are going to take the next step so instead of just tweeting about it becoming an activist instead of being an activist maybe taking it to the next step organizing meetings like maybe thinking outside of a sphere of just the labor party uh, i do think it's, it's 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 got a lot of people to to roll the sleeves up and just take it onto a next level um which is very encouraging i wish we hadn't had to do it but i, I don't think anybody's just going oh never mind then but when you um when you look at photographs of the last decade you sort of see these amazing moments of hope and courage. I think that um, activism has really taken a real, a real upturn in in the last decade. If you compare 2010 to 2020, do you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think social media has played a big part of that, but I also think that um, a lot of artists are a lot more directly politically engaged than they used to be like 10 years ago you'd get the odd poem that that was talking about a social issue whereas now a lot of artists are putting their heads above the parapet and that's inspiring activism and activism's inspiring the artists so yeah I, th I do think we are better placed and obviously there's a good chance that trump will get in across the across the water next year so oh god that's this year isn't it um but but <laughs> yeah but we are coming out stronger and it does feel like we're better placed to to combat it yeah in a sense, I think people are looking to each other rather than looking to a leader, you know, for a solution. So it's like, okay, so I'm not going to look to you anymore for this. I'm going to find my own solutions. Okay, and talking about solutions, how is that going to reflect in the art and the poetry and the books that we're making as artists, as poets, and also as people that are going to events? Can you tell me about a little bit about that? Because I think there's a poem that you will hear that sounds like it's just full of problems, and then there's other poetry or books you'll read which feels like it's full of solutions. There's a difference, isn't there, to polit in political art and political writing? Well, it's becoming more and more important, and I think... One of the one of the byproducts of the last couple of years is that people are becoming more politically informed. Uh, as in, like the whole Brexit thing. Like we're all practically experts on European trade deals now. Do you know what I mean? It's <laughs> it's mad. And I think social media, much as social media is terrible, it is giving us a lot more information. And much as we don't want poetry to be jargon-filled political lectures, I just think that people normal people are now a lot more politically engaged than like 10 years ago if you were talking about politics in a pub you'd be a geek mm. whereas now everyone is um and i do think that the art is is becoming so much more important um yeah yeah and just to kind of um capitalize on what you've just said why don't we play a track linton crazy johnson this is one that matt's brought in and it's um england is a bitch <laughs> 
England is a bit, 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 England is a bit, 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 bit. When me just come to London town, we used to work on the underground. But working on the underground, you don't get to know your way around. England is a bitch. There's no escaping it. England is a bitch. There's no running away from it. Me get a little job in a big hotel. And after a while, me was doing quite well. Them start me off as a dishwasher. But when me take a stock, me not turn clock watcher. England is a bitch. There's no escaping it. England is a bitch. Nobody try to hide from me. When them give you the little weird pocket, first them wrap it with them big tax racket. You have to struggle to make ends meet. And when you go to your bed, you just can't sleep. England is a bitch. There's no escaping it. England is a bitch for true. I no lie, me I tell a true. Me used to work big bitch when it pulled no bitch. Me did strong like a mule, but why me did fool? Then after a while, me just tapped the overtime. Then after a while, me just put on me tool. England is a bitch. There's no escaping it. England is a bitch. You have to know how to survive in it. Well, me do day work and me do night work. Me do clean work and me do dirty work. Them said that black man is very lazy. But if you see how me work, you would have said me crazy. England is a bitch. There's no escaping it. England is a bitch. You better face up to it. Them have a little factory up in a broccoli. In a this year factory, all them do is pack crackers. For the last 15 years, them get me labor. Now after 15 years, fall out of fever. England is a bitch. There's no escaping it. England is a bitch. There's no running away from it. Me know said them have work, work in abundance, yet still, they make me redundant. Now at 55, me getting quite old, yet still, them send me figure draw a doll. England is a bitch, there's no escaping it. England is a bitch for true, is where we are got to bout it.
You're tuned in to Roaring Twenties Radio on Soho Radio. I'm Selena Gordon and I'm here in the studio with my co-host Matt Abbott and Emma Rose Abrams. So Matt, you were going to tell us a little bit about self-care and how, how people can look after themselves in these very dark, January dark, dark days. Yeah, so as I was saying, um, a lot of us struggled after the election and then it was Christmas and New Year and now it's for January blues. And as somebody who listens to and reads poetry every day, my natural instinct is to turn towards political poetry, poetry that's direct political narratives uh, that's, that's looking at the current situation. That's what I naturally do. However, sometimes you need to get away from politics. You need to just completely move away from it. You need a bit of escapism. And obviously poetry is probably the most powerful form of escapism, I would say, in that sense. Poetry can transform you to a place you've never been. It can make you feel something you've never felt. It can illuminate something in your life that you'd never really looked at. It can do so many things. And so I've been looking at alternative um, poetry, which, it, t to be honest with you, is probably most poetry. Um, in, in, in that I'm looking at poetry that doesn't talk directly about politics. Um, I did a column recently for the State of the Arts, which shared poems by uh, Buddy Wakefield, Kirsty Taylor, Vanessa Kasuli, Dan Cockrell, Stephen Lightbound, and Nadine Aisha Jassat. Um, but I've also been reading poetry from yonks ago because they don't even know who Donald Trump or Boris Johnson are, which is quite nice. Um, so there's a poet called Arthur Rambo, uh, a French poet from about 200 years ago who's amazing. Who I, I know love Rambo. You know yeah, Rambo, don't you? Yeah, yeah, of course you do. Uh, I know it, it seems obvious to us, but maybe it might not be to some people. But it, totally. he's a, a French poet from hundreds of years ago who had a huge influence on Jim Morrison, which is how I got into him. Um, and I don't speak a word of French, but I love the translations. Um, and another obvious one, Charles Bukowski from the American Beat era. There's loads of poets I could mention, uh, but Charles Bukowski is probably the best. Um, and then also uh, for Christmas, I got this book called uh, Poems from a Green and Blue Planet, which was edited Yay. by Sabrina Mafuz. It's an amazing collection of poems about the world and animals and nature. And I realise in the current climate crisis, climate crisis, that is a very political thing to speak about. But these poems are just pure escapism and reminding you of the beautiful things in the world. And there's poetry from hundreds of years ago. There's brand new poetry from people, including um, Anthony and Aksaguru. And also there's poems from Selena Godin in there as well. There's so you can't argue with that, can you? <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's just when you need to take a breather and when poetry, uh, when politics is getting on top of you and you do need just half an hour of forgetting that it exists, basically pretending you're a kid again, um, I think poetry is one of the best things for doing that. And also poetry for young people, so John Hegley, uh, Roger McGough, uh, Daisy Dockrell, there's a lot of poetry out there, sorry, Laura Dockrell, there's a lot of poetry out there that just helps you just appreciate the world and, and smile and f forget about politics just for a little bit, whenever you need to. Just for a little bit. Thank you, Matt. Okay, now we're going to have a track. Um, one from Nadine Shah, the Ville Morose. Legend. Sombrerai pas 
That's the glorious Nadine Shah here on the Roaring Twenties radio show on Soho Radio. If you like what you're hearing, you can find us on Twitter. It's at Roaring Twenties Radio. Or you can find us on Instagram, I believe. I think it's just at Roaring Twenties. Um, and that's Twenties uh, as the number, so two O and then a little S. Okay, we're joined in the studio by a dear old poetry legendary brilliant friend of mine, Tim Wells. Tim Wells is a suede, suede head, pulp horror writer and man about town. The UK poetry scene would be a duller place without Tim Wells. He has a new book out called No Weakness where he takes us through the streets that made him via the landmarks of his teenage love life. We stop at pubs, gigs, behind the bins and cemeteries and sticky floored cinemas to honour honor a shimmer of fierce and formidable young women spitting defiance. A million girls are born, they do not cry but kick. He's a London poetry landmark. Ladies and gentlemen, I introduce you to Tim Wells. Hello, how are you? I'm good, it's really good to see you. It's nice to see you three. It's <laughs> nice <Hi>. to see <laughs> you. <laughs> okay, so I'm just going to throw you in at the deep end. Um, I've got a quiz that I write for this radio show, okay. which is called Which Twenties? Yeah. So basically, I'm going to give you a quote or a piece of information, and you've got to tell me if you think it's 2020s, 1920s, or which century you think it might come from, okay. or where the person might come from. Okay. okay, I think you're going to be really good at this and my question is going to be rubbish. Okay. The Mayflower departs Plymouth, England with 102 pilgrims for the new world. 1620s, 1720s, 1820s, 1920s, 1920s. 1620s. Correct. I can see the answers. <laughs> <laughs> Always helps. <laughs> Quote, It is forbidden to kill. Therefore, all murderers are punished unless they kill in large numbers and to the sound of trumpets. 1920s. No, that's Voltaire, born 1694. Oh, I was going oh, Dada. Wow. Yeah, oh. died. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like a very good modern quote, doesn't it? Yeah. Okay, and what else have I got here? Okay, calling someone a good egg. Which era? <laughs> egg, as in slang for a person, goes all the way back to not telling you but then the another time egg took a rot rotten turn egg became an insult for an obnoxious person it was popularized in the beep a particularly bad egg was a double yoker but it's not all bad for the egg because an old egg was an affectionate term for someone's partner so you could have an old egg old egg would be someone's partner and a rotten egg would be someone who was awful which era was, was where did that phrase 1920s. go? 1920s. Yeah, but actually, to call someone an egg goes back to the 1600s. Yeah, well, I know it from um, P.G. Woodhouse. Oh, do oh. you? 
Ah. Which will be a Rannan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, good, good, good. He is good at it, as you said. Yeah, he's going to, he's going to. Some of us read books. Yeah. No, <laughs> I don't. I could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot people and I wouldn't lose voters. 2020s. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 2020s. That was uh, uh, Mr. Donald Trump, born 1946. Um, okay, so I'll do one more. Jane called us up at about three in the morning to tell us of a great fire. So I rose and slipped on my na- nightgown and went to her window. But being unused to such fires as followed, I thought it far enough off, so went back to bed again and back to sleep. 1720s. 2020s? I feel like that's this last century. I know. I was I was trying to trick you to make you think it was Australia, but it was actually the oh. Great Fire of London, 1666. Wow. Samuel Pepys yeah. describing yeah. the Great Fire of London. Well done, Tim. <laughs> that's very, very good. Yeah. Okay, do we have time for a Tim poem right now, or do we go to a song? Um, I think we need to go into a song and we'll come back to the poem a bit later, if that's all right, Tim. If that's Wise all move. Right, Tim. Okay, Tim. All right. So now we have Vanishing Twin with Backstroke from their album, The Age of Immunology. Excellent.
gorgeous piece of music there, Vanishing Twin Backstroke. Um, and now I think we're going to have a poem from the great poet Tim Wells. My first whistle was a silver grey number. Finn lapel, centre vent, free button. The bottom never done up. A nebbish I am not. White tail in socks, black brogues, white Fred Perry. My first whistle, wolf that is, was from her as I was bowling up Clapton Common, rude and ruddy, on a sunny spring morning, and I was fabulous. Thanks, Tim. Thank you, Tim. Right now, I think we're going to launch into the arts section of the programme. Um, <laughs> just things that I've seen. January's super, super quiet for art. Nothing really happens. Um, one show that I did see just before it closed, um, just up the road from Soho Radio, actually, in um, Golden Square, was at the Marion Goodman Gallery, was the Nan Golden Show, which was a phenomenal collection of her, one of her, was included one of her most famous works, The Ballad of Sexual Dependency, which documented her friends in New York through the AIDS and the drug crises that happened there. And there were also these kind of really stunning tributes to people that she'd put together in still images and music with um, landscapes and more contemporary works that she'd made more recently and um, and references to the Sackler pain campaign that she's run very successfully um, which saw her um, saw her campaign against the Sackler family and Purdue Farmer who sponsor a lot of big art institutions in across the world, including the National Portrait Gallery, and um, in light of the opioid crisis, for which they have some culpability, she has managed to really make it a big no-no to take their money. They sponsor, I mean, look up the name Sackler, and it's libraries, institutions, the Met in New York, we're talking the Serpentine, and all of these institutions have now stop taking money from the Sackler family. So that's a big win for Nan Golden. And it was very, very moving to see these documents of people who've struggled with addiction alongside this campaign that she's fought much more recently. So that was really interesting. And then this weekend, um, there was uh, a um, condo complex opened. Now, condo complex started by Vanessa Carlos, who helps run uh, Carlos Ishikawa, a gallery based in Mile End, is sees um, small, mainly small emerging galleries, though Sadie Cole's a big gallery, also in Soho, takes part, play host to galleries from other countries. So um, you'll see a gallery give up half their space to another gallery, um, and it started in London in 2016, and now it takes place in New York, Shanghai, Athens, Sao Paulo and Mexico City and what this does is it allows you to see work but from emerging artists um, for free in from places that you might never get to so um, so this weekend that opened and it's kind of a big kind of thing where everyone comes out everyone's there with a little beer going trailing around London, all the way around the East End, around South London and around the West End, looking at all these kind of wonderful offerings. Um, and it's a very make and do kind of roll up and present atmosphere, which is you don't get much in the art world. And also 
you get to be surprised by so how can you find out which galleries are involved you can go onto their website condocomplex.org and there's a map and a list of everything and it runs for about a month so basically uh my highlights from this weekend were modern art which is on viner street um and it's paul and Pagji sepai sepuya and he was showing his amazing kind of photographs which play with the black body basically very sexual beautiful kind of almost abstract images that he put together um and that they traveled for, i think from the us to be on view in london and then the approach which is above the approach pub on approach road was hosting corbett versus dempsey and chicago gallery and they were showing some really wonderful kind of like drawings watercolors from robert lostata which are really amazing. And then at Herald Street, you had Misako Rosen from Tokyo, and you had a Project Native Informant, just also in the East End. You had ROH projects from Jakarta. So you've really got up-and-coming stuff from all over the world there. Sounds amazing. Yeah, it's great. And it's on for a month and also, yeah, free, and you just pop in and out. That's what I really love about commercial galleries. Um is that you know it's you could just roll in roll out take your time spend 10 minutes spend an hour it's kind of very yeah i love it i love it because it's this kind of just make do thing that you don't get much with uh, with um, big business art money i did this in 2017 i did a, a quite a big chunk of ease in 2017 because my sister's really into art and it was really really good it made it feel a lot more accessible to me because i'd feel intimidated going into a big gallery sometimes so breaking it down and yeah it was really really good Oh, great. And um, what did you think of it? Because it was quite a big one in 2017, wasn't it? It was loads to see. Like, Yeah, I think we, prob we probably only did about 10, but I remember us going to Carlos Ishikawa and I remember us going to The Approach and I saw stuff that I never probably would have seen otherwise. And I, I just, I, it, I can find it overwhelming sometimes going around one big gallery at once. So I really enjoyed oh, cool. the touring nature of it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And um, it's a great way, to, you know, to you always run into people. So that's cool. But right now, I think, why don't we have another track? And that is The World Is Changing by Femi Kuti. <laughs>
Listening to Roaring Twenties Radio on Soho Radio. I'm Selena Gordon here in the studio with my co-hosts Amma Rose Abrams and Matt Abbott. Now we've got a very special guest here as well. N- sitting next to Tim Wells, we have Scarlett Sabet. She's a London-based poet and performer. Um, her work uh, i'm trying to read off the thing but i'm just she's one of my one a poet that i really adore and i'm really happy to see here um we met um and performed together at shakespeare and co and that was an amazing event Mm. um she's been nominated for all kinds of things like the gerwood compton poetry fellowship um her third collection of poetry zora was uh, um, launched at City Lights in San Francisco. Um, the latest book, Camille, was given to me for Valentine's Day. Aww. It's a collection of 50 love poems that was also launched at Shakespeare and Go. Um, so many things. Her work's featured on the BBC London Live, Soho Radio. Oh, you've been here before. Yeah. Boogaloo. <laughs> Radio, GQ, Tatler, Data Confuse, Violet Book, Hunger Magazine, and it goes on and (laughs) on and on. She's um, one of my heroes and great friends, so it's a great, great privilege to have her here. Welcome, Scarlett. Thank you so much. I still just get so starstruck whenever I see you in real life, because I saw you, didn't even meet you, I saw you the first time in 2015 at the Roundhouse, the 50th anniversary of the Holy Communion that happened in 1965, but... Um, the Royal Albert Hall, and you were just amazing. You did my tits are more feminist than your tits. <laughs> and we actually, not to name drop, we're going to do it, we took Van Morrison with us to that, and he was like in hysterics as you were doing that. And it was just this amazing thing. You got everyone to sing. <laughs> give all we tits. Are, <laughs> all we are saying is give, give tits, tits some peace. Yeah, give tits a chance. And never, I was like hysterically crying with laughter. And then I just, for the thing at Shakespeare and Company, <clears throat> I was like, well, I know who I'd like to invite. And that was the first time I met you. And it was just, it's, yeah, you're one of my poetry heroes. And, and you're so fearless in your work. So thank you for having me on, both oh, of you. There we go. What a lovely moment. I, yeah. did, I did love our Paris weekend, darling. We must fun. do it again. Yeah. Yes, yes. Okay, so I'm going to just ask you some questions because I know quite a lot about you. <laughs> but I just want to dig Sorry. around a little bit. In, like I had, I read loads oh. of interviews so i wanted to try and oh, ask God. you some things that perhaps you haven't been asked oh, before okay so so um Uh-oh. so for example like what kind of child were you scarlet did oh. you make like books and plays i imagine you're being quite creative i was i was a really weird child i loved radio four um and i still do even when i'm writing i sometimes like having something on in the background like i found it quite comforting and my mum studied um, English at uni, so she had all her books, like her Sylvia Plath, her Margaret Atwood, all these kind of, and I would just kind of read stuff. Some, sometimes it wasn't always age appropriate, but yeah, I was, I kept a diary and I was very kind of performing as a kid. Like I wanted to get up and tell a story and, and um, which I, I, yeah, 
wouldn't I wanted to talk I wanted to talk with the adults <laughs> still do but do you know what I mean I think it was I, I was always attracted to storytelling and the spoken word and and always I guess very interested in people and I still kind of are I still I really love I think part of the reason I love podcasts and radio and I think why that this medium is such a moment is obviously because we all have iPhones we can all listen to it and you can kind of create your own world your own tempo if the world feels like it's going to hell you can wake up in the morning put on a song or a podcast that puts you in the main frame of mind you want to be in um so it's kind of I think it's almost like a self-soothing thing protective mm. thing as a child that I don't know I still use and and yeah so do you th- do you think a poet is made or a poet is born because I feel like this is something that's a really interesting I question. feel like this is something you were you were you were just you, I bet you kind of came out of the womb and you were already thinking and being the scholar, this sort of poetic art. Sure. I think I think I mean it's a mad path to choose being a poet. It's like what the hell? Anybody and smart <laughs> wouldn't choose this. No. It's like why are you doing this? Why are you doing it? Well, your yeah. whole life is focused around it. It comes before everything else. It's there's no guarantees, there's no but then the amazing moments are like phenomenal. When you kinda of invited me to perform at Byline with you, that was amazing. And seeing you and Oakley, all the other poets perform it was like Christ, this is it, this is it. Being at, you know, the roundhouse, all these transcendental magical moments, those are the the kind of bits of stardust we catch and yes. they keep you going through the kind of the rain, the tax return, the rejection, the unanswered <laughs> yes. emails. Because that stuff is maddening. Yes, of, yes. And I think especially in the arts, sometimes people just don't answer your email because it's kind of happens in the evening and it's social. So people kind of think it's a social event, but you're like, no, no, it is my life and work, but don't worry. Um, did you get the email? No, but I... I think I always would have ended up doing this. I kind of started in a slightly different path, but I was always writing and then all of a sudden it's like, oh wait, I could do this. Why didn't I just do this? This makes me happiest. And all the way here, I was thinking, I'm really excited to do this. And I get to talk about, someone actually wants to talk to me about what I love the most. And that's such a privilege and it's so exciting. And I think so many people don't have that. So although it is mad choosing to be a poet, it's like you only get one life and you've got to make the most of it. I really believe that and, and... to do something that you're happy yeah. that makes you happy yeah. yeah and that brings and that brings so much pleasure so we're here mostly to mm. talk about your new album catalyst now mm. it's just such a beautiful production Thank it's you fantastic so much. and made in collaboration with your partner Jimmy Page it's just absolutely beautiful the sonic landscapes the beautiful language it's oh. just and there's so much theme and so, so yeah. many themes and feelings in there um can you tell me a little bit about the making of the album can you tell me a little bit like i mean cuz i know you, you you're very prolific you've got a lot of poems so how yeah. did you choose those those poems to go on that album that's a really good question. I think Jimmy always felt like we were going to do something. And he said, we're going to do something in like 2014. So I always had it in the back of my mind. Um, but the kind of the way it came out, like you said, the sonic landscapes, that was his decision. And obviously, he's a guitarist. So I think a lot of people thought, oh, you could do something with his music. Because that was so obvious, he wanted to subvert that. And in terms of the tracks, I think they're kind of the ones like Fifth Circle of Hell, I wrote in 2016 that was about the refugee crisis and you know my dad I'm is uh is from Iran so I'm I'm a daughter of a refugee you know he didn't it didn't start out that way he was studying architecture in Italy and and um came to this country met my mother but then you know the landscape over there changed so that was something that I've performed since I've written I've performed it, performed it almost every poetry reading and it and it that was kind of one which I, we didn't even discuss it like it was a given it was going to go on and again 
the thing of living and working, and Dickie must have that with you, but you, he's probably the first person that hears what you've written, hears it in its early inception. And I wrote that. Jimmy had a meeting, and I texted him. I was like, wait, come here. I think I've written something. And I read it out to him. He's like, oh, read it again. And so he was there as soon as I had it. And it was from watching the news and seeing the jungle, Calais, and, and all of that. And so it was kind of, I think, the ones on Catalyst, the poems we included, a kind of special milestones and hallmarks of points in my artistic life and also personal life of falling in love the love poems obviously the relationship I'm in and then the first track rocking underground that that I wrote I think 2012 2013 and that was being you know that's the side of being an artist in London that's hard feeling mm. oppressed in a big city any big city where it's London New York San Francisco or whatever where you're chasing this thing, it's your dream, but it's the day-to-day -day reality is like, can be impressive and mind-numbing. And it was being on the district line <laughs> on a Sunday evening, I was reading Walt Whitman's Leaves of Grass. It's like, oh, this is beautiful. This is not my reality. And I put the book down and I, and I wrote this and it just came out with the rhythm of the train. And, you know, I was just a bit despondent. My computer had broken. It's like, oh, how am I going <laughs> to figure this out? Get another one. Yeah. And it was just, this came out. And it's still such an honest thing and it's funny. Because well, let's, um, let's, yeah, let's, yeah, play, yeah. let's play the track and then we'll come back. Before I describe it all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here we go. City rat dressed in black, worn down underground, trying to block out the pain, the thoughts that make you go insane, the crawl inside your brain when you weren't looking, distracted by hunger and fame, and the simplicity of your day-to-day -day pain, until you wake up, look in the mirror, realise you're not the same. You keep separating your brain, but you try to assimilate, continue to be the same in your own unique way. Jump on the great city train, give up your seat, get on your knees and exclaim, all hail, king of all things the same. Sit back down, sit yourself back down, put your brain back down, back to sleep, hush your sound, because your talk's too loud for things above ground. So let the rhythm rock you, carry you down, back underground, but it all smells the same. The girls are so pretty, they all look the same. So don't blame your brain, don't explain, don't talk. All the sounds underground make the same sense, no sense. They don't carry a sound, so just keep rocking underground. <laughs> And that's a track from um, Catalyst by Scarlett Sabet. So um, I I just think this uh, this album's just is phenomenal. Um, there's just so, so much. much magic in it. Words that come to mind is powerful, magic, atmospheric, soulful, intimacy, sensual, sexual freedom. Aww. There's just so much in there. Um, how do you see the role of magic and poetry in a world mm. that is full of so much trouble? That's such a good question. I think it's really important, and I think. <sighs> You know, it's that thing as above, so below. And this whole thing now we have of awareness, wellness, manifestation, and thoughts of things. And I think every time you write, it's kind of like an incantation. And you must experience that well when you're on, as well when you're on stage and you're saying this thing. And especially doing the same poem over and over again, it becomes an emblem, it becomes symbolic of something. It, the meaning morphs, like in Rocking Underground, distracted by hunger in a frame. When I wrote that, it was very sarcastic, kind of cynical line from me, just looking at other people chasing something or just feeling like as an artist and at the time I was auditioning as well doing um performance other performance work acting and stuff it was just like god you're just trying to trying to fit yourself feeling like a square peg in a round hole you know just trying to fit yourself into something being never being quite enough or being too much and just that's what I love about poetry is that it's 
your own unique experience is valid. Everyone's different voice is valid. But I think there's definitely magic in poetry. And I think now more than ever, the arts are necessary and a sense of magic and a sense of believing in a higher power. I think everything is... I don't know, just today on my way here, the, en every, the energy feels very heavy and there's a lot of very seismic changes and I think, you know, 10, 20, 30 years down the line, people are going to look back at what is happening this the past two weeks. Mm. Very important shifts and the shifts feel kind of palpable um, and it's trickling down to everybody's everyday life. So I think, and again with the internet, there's so much distraction, there's so much c connection, there's so much noise and I think more than ever, words that are valid, words that are succinct and some kind of articulation that's authentic because there's so much noise and distraction and to really focus through and say something truthful and to get up on stage and say that and resonate it's there's definitely a magic to it and there's something very i don't know the sense of ritual and, and even i don't know if you look at politics politicians they have their catchphrases and they repeat them over and over again and they want that to permeate the culture and then it becomes a catchphrase and then people repeat it and then people use cite that as a source like it's very mm. interesting so i think more than ever words and uh are a form of magic and and we need to be conscious about what we're saying yes yeah yeah the way the way they sort of repeat that so it's almost like a, a chorus get brexit done yes. get brexit done yeah yeah it's strange isn't it very strange okay so this is the um roaring 20s radio show mm. And so we called the show this because we wanted to talk about uh, things that we want to roar about ah. in the in the 20s, in these 20s. Okay. So um, what do you see is going to be happening in the 2020s? This is the new decade, new page. What are your predictions? Poetry, books, art, the world mm. stuff in your life personally, in the world out there. What can the roaring 20s, I've got to say, it scares me because everyone's like, yay, the 20s are back. And I'm like, yeah, but after the 20s came fascism in the 30s and the second world war in the 40s so i hope it's different this time not to put a downer <laughs> on everything but um <laughs> hopefully i don't know i just i keep thinking of everything i studied in history a level for weimar republic and the rise of fascism but well there we go see two years two years that's all thank you tim <laughs> but i would hope professionally i think Releasing Catalyst end of last year was an amazing experience and it was it was crazy because when it came out, only five people had heard it. Me, Jimmy, the sound engineer, um, the guy that did the recording and then John Davis that cut it onto vinyl. And my parents didn't know. Literally, the day it came out, we released, announced it on Instagram. I rang up my mum and was like, Mum, basically, we've been working something on this year. It's an album, spoken word album. It's out today. I'll send you the link. She was like, what? <laughs> she was like, you bloody hell, you kept that quiet. But I think, and J Jimmy said to me, he's like, okay, we're going to do this. But if you tell anyone, we won't do it. I was like, oh, okay, don't worry. My lips are sealed. So it was very exciting. And I think also, I mean, you probably get this. When you're working on something or even a poem or any kind of project and you tell people, and they'll give you their advice, yes. which is meant in a loving way, but sometimes it can kind of rain on your parade. I think sometimes when you've got a really good idea and you'll tell someone Zip and they'll it. give you that look. Yes. Like, like, and instantly you start to doubt your yes. brilliant genius idea. That's yeah, it. Don't tell people That's your things. That's it. So it was, yeah. it, it's, we were living through the experience of making it and creating it. And that was really such a luxury. And you know, I, I waitress through my, the whole of my 20s, so this year to kind of turn and finally focus more on just poetry has been a real gift and, and to write. And I, I think doing this, being brave and releasing it and knowing that some people love it, some people won't. 
And Jimmy said that. He's like, some people are going to love it. Some people are going to hate it. Just know that and just don't listen to that. I said, no, I know it's fine. But I'd rather, you know, at least it's for my work as opposed to anything else. And and I think it's kind of imbued in me a sense of fearlessness and cr- and creativity. It's like, okay, the possibilities are endless in a way. I can do whatever I want. I, I have to do it. So I hope further creation and collaboration in the 20s and I guess... You know, although I was kind of joking about the Weimar Republic and all that, I think it is, we are at a timely point in history, but I do think we're educated. And I do think the bonus of the internet is the sense of community and the sense of people be ab- being able to get the word out or express themselves in words exactly yeah. that they previously weren't allowed. And it's, I think it's harder for certain regimes to suppress that. I mean, mm. obviously they still can, but I, I would hope there's more of a coming together and there's more tolerance I think from every side of people voicing their opinions and not shouting each other down okay so I've just got oh sorry Rose I just wanted to ask Mm. you it's like you know there's what I think is um so special about poetry and about the performance of poetry Mm. is the way it brings people together and those unique things that come out in the room Mm. um that just and that just seem to evolve on their own. Mm. It's not for, or anything live, really. But then, that specifically with poetry, I think there is this real spark that can yeah. be ignited. And then, um, when you translate that to vinyl, I guess again, it's a different practice. But at the same time, you're reaching so many more people. Mm. You're taking that message and giving it to a lot. To, you know, it's not just something that happens on the night, and you have to know about it, mm. and you have to be able yes. to get there. It makes everything a lot more accessible. That's really, I think that's really well put and very true. And uh, that was amazing as well to, I mean, we've got Selena's vinyl at home and it's so lovely to have a tangible thing that you can put on. And I love the whole ritual again and magic of putting on a vinyl record and the needle drop and the sound and you sit down and it's, it's there's more of a sense of ceremony. You sit down, you listen to the whole album when it's a vinyl and you flip it over if it's double-sided. This one, ours is... um just single-sided but um yeah it was it was important to Jimmy to put it on vinyl as well as streaming because streaming is how people obviously access their music like my brother's generation he's he's a teenager um but it's also it's funny because Rocking Underground the track that you played that we were on holiday doing experiments and he'd taken a cassette so I was recording it doing a guiding track to layer my voice and then in the end he said I really like this one I think we should do this one I don't know how he did it because I don't know the technical but transferred the cassette onto the vinyl so that when you hear the click on and off that's from the cassette yeah so it wasn't like it was added in it was like a genuine thing and and then now I saw recently the Kanye West album Jesus is born is out on cassette as well so that wasn't even intentional thinking oh I know we'll do something really obscure and trendy it just happened there is a cassette thing going on isn't there there's a big big I remember going to Woolworths and buying cassettes singles on cassettes as like a kid so yeah, I know how to... And then when you listen to it on your Walkman and the batteries of the Walkman would wind down, the cassette would get slower and slower <laughs> and you'd have to wind it back up And again. obviously then you can listen as you go but without getting mm. a text in the middle yes. of it. <laughs> yeah, that's why I still use my iPod. Yeah. I, my iPod's like over 10 years old and it's just nice to have a device or a thing that isn't... You don't get the buzz of an email or a text or whatever. It's nice just to have... True escapism. Yes, that's it. And how how are you feeling about uh, poetry on vinyl, Matt? 
Um, what I really love about poetry on vinyl is that, as as Scarlett was saying, listening to something on vinyl is a much deeper experience. Mm. Um, it's easier to just stick on the radio whilst you're washing up or whatever. But 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 the ex- sitting down, putting it on, you listen to it from start to finish. It's it, you're so much more involved in it, and I think that poetry deserves that because I, I sometimes I listen to a poetry podcast when I'm walking to the bus stop or whatever, and I don't fully engage yeah. with the poem. Whereas on vinyl, you really really do, and it's that's your main activity you don't put on a vinyl and then do something else you listen to the vinyl and i think we've sort of lost that in the modern age and so poetry on vinyl i think is is really really important and i got into a lot of poetry through listening to it rather than reading it like as a Mm. 17 year old i never would have gone and got a poetry book out but i listened to it and some of it was on vinyl so i think it's amazing yeah it's so important and tim do you want to do you want to chip in there as a You've brought some seven-inch uh, poetry in, I see. Yeah, I don't have an iPod or a smartphone, so I just carry records wherever I go. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, wait, what did you bring in with you? I bought um, some Seething Wells, some Michael Smith. Uh, I bought an album of dub poetry mm. and some Stanley Holloway, because you always need a bit of that as well. And uh, um, and have tell me some more about poetry and vinyl in, in, the, in the olden days, Tim. You're younger than me. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, well, we, we used to listen to, obviously, Linton was really big, um, Clarky, and then we had, like, The Last Poets, stuff like that we used to listen to a lot. Pam Ayres was a lot of... I've still got my Pam Ayres albums. All good stuff. And also, all the musical stuff. So you've got people like Stanley Holloway and um, Joyce Grenfell used to do a lot of um, recitations. But also, you've done, you, don't, you also do your blog, don't you, Stand Up and Spit? I do. Uh, which is a document of That's counterculture. About as modern as I get. Word. Yes, yeah. yeah you should you <laughs> should check that out. That's www.standupandspit.com, I think. WordPress, something or other. Yeah, yeah. and uh, in that there's some incredible. Uh, it's an incredible collection of poetry um, through the decades and different events and flyers and there's all sorts you've, you've managed to yeah, c- make a real archive. There's a lot of ranting poetry from my generation before <laughs> Selena in the 80s when we were doing and spoken word stuff. And then there's a lot of working class poetry going mm. way, way back to the Chartists, to the Romans, and then just other stuff I kind of like because I like a bit of music, a little bit of history and stuff to give it all context, but... There's a lot of weird stuff there. There's a lot of fun stuff there. And stuff there that people get annoyed about, which is also good. <laughs> what do you think is so specific? I, don't, I always associate, perhaps wrongly, and you can correct, you can, you'd be the one to correct me if I am wrong, but um, I always associate specifically with recording poetry with the 70s and with kind of more, with kind of more political stuff. Well, I think, well, I mean, look at the last poets. That was like yeah. 1970s, so that's kicking off, but... A lot of the um, Black Panther stuff, they, they were recording stuff around 68. Mm. So I wouldn't say specifically 70s, but definitely a lot in the 70s. Definitely a lot of it um, kicking around the Watts poets as well. I think a spoken word on vinyl is definitely... I own a piece of vinyl and it's Whoopi Goldberg. And oh. it's uh, I think it's like late 70s. And it's really, really, really filthy. And it's her stand-up. Um, and I think I kind of drew quite a lot of influence from that. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> 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 um, but it's, I mean, so that kind of idea of kind of performance mm. stu- on vinyl is, is something that I found really interesting. They used to do that quite a lot. Comedians commit yeah, their commit their shows or their yeah. Well, to there, vinyl. there was always like the the um, Luanda, you know, like the the um, San Francisco black comedians. Mm. Those records are pretty. They used to call them party records, and it was just like rhyme and swearing. 
Yeah, that that movie just came out. Yeah. Yeah. What's it called again? Ah, yeah. Ah, him. Him, yes. that, yeah. <laughs> Yay, my <laughs> memory's amazing. Should we have a bit of music while I try and have a memory? Right, okay. next up we've got Heart and Soul by Rousseau. Oh, this music's amazing. I love well, this. Thanks to Signifying Monkey. Come, my love, come and shine with your light on me. Come and play with the chimes in the belfry. Come with me and hold me in your arms. Let me feel your tenderness and your warmth. When the rain is falling hard And the storm is far from over My lady love, that's you You give me everything I like You take away show you Show 
Hello, you're listening to Roaring Twenties Radio on Soho Radio. I'm Selena Gordon here with my co-hosts Amma Rose Abrams and Matt Abbott. And we've got special, special guests, uh, Scarlett Sabet and Tim Wells. And we're having a chat about poetry, poetry on vinyl. Um, Scarlett has a new album out called Catalyst, um, which is fantastic. And we've just been discussing that. And Tim Wells has brought, it, brought in um, some really fantastic old school, proper old reggae uh, poetry vinyl here too anyway so i'm very excited about what's going on around me do you want to introduce the chuck that you've bought him well i brought in a tune by actually it's not even a tune it's a poem by michael smith who was um really inspirational for me and a lot of people when we were younger and fitter and better looking <laughs> <laughs> shall we just let's let's have a listen let's hear some michael smith me can't believe it mr me can't believe it me say me can't believe it. Room them are red, me apply within. But as me going cockroach, rat and scorpion also come in. One good nose have to run. But me now got those down on high wall like humpy dumpy. Me a face my reality. One little boy come blow a man. And me look on him with scan. And me realize that my five boy picnic was a victim of the trick them called partisan politics. And me ban me belly and my ball. And me ban me belly and my ball. Lord, me can't believe it. I say I can't believe it. My daughter boyfriend named me Sailor and him pass through the port like a ship. More grand picnic for feed, but the whole we need. What a night with a plight and we can't get a bite. My life is a stiff bite and I can't believe it. I say I can't believe it. Sitting on the corner with my friends talking about things and time. Here one voice say, who that? I say, who that? I want say, who that when we are say, who that? We take a stop them liquid on flat teeth start flying, big man start crying. Me say me can't believe it. Me say me can't believe it. The idea me I pass one yard pan the hill when me take a stop me here. Hey boy, yes ma'am. Hey boy, yes ma'am. You clean up the dark shit. Yes ma'am, and me can't believe it. Me say me can't believe it. There is a mother four get a work as a domestic. Boss man moving and bopsy kaisy cause she pregnant again. Bopsy kaisy cause she pregnant again and me can't believe it. Me say me can't believe it. That yard that night when me hear fire fire to plate cloth. Who dead? You dead? Who dead? Me dead? Who dead? Harry dead? Who dead? Eleven dead? Whoa! Harren Street fired up on me head and me can't believe it. Me say me can't believe it. Lord me some black but living in one building but no rent no pay so then can't stay. Lord, your press and the dispossessed can't get no rest. What next? Take a trip from Kingston to Jamaica. Take 12 from a dozen and I see my mama in heaven. Madhouse. I say, I can't believe it. I say, I can't believe it. You believe it? How you feel believe it when you're blind, you eye to it? But me know you believe it, Lord. Me know you believe it. Thanks so much for bringing that in, Tim. It's absolutely fantastic. Oh, it's always I good to hear that. that. It's always good to hear that. That's really. Well, so when was that released? That was, I think, 1983. <laughs> 82, 83. I think it was 83, that one, yeah. And do you think he went in a studio and recorded that, or was that recorded live? No, that was recorded in a studio, yeah. That was recorded with um, Linton, actually, put that out. Oh. L- Linton had a label? That was Linton's label there, look, if you look on the record. Okay. Okay, J Records. <laughs> That's the giveaway. Okay, yeah. J Records. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mysterious. 
Thanks, Tim. That's all right. Thanks for That's that. That's what I'm here for. I looked really good in that moment. Thank you. <laughs> luckily, it's radio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, luckily. Luckily. So, talking about record labels, um, Matt, maybe you could tell us a little bit about putting out poetry on vinyl yourself. Yeah, so as I was saying, um, I got into poetry through listening to it. When I first started writing poetry, um, probably for the first couple of years, I only really listened to it. Much as I realised the most important thing to do is read it when you're a teenager. Uh, to me, it wasn't really accessible. Um, so I've always been obsessed with listening to music and I set up the, sorry, listening to poetry and I set up the label in 2015, Nymphs and Fugs, because I wanted to bridge the gap. Um, and a lot of time when you, when you want to check out a poet online, there might be a, a, a live recording on YouTube, which somebody did on a phone that's upside down and it's really crap. Or it might be something on SoundCloud that's from like eight years ago. And it's, it's hard to access good quality recordings for a lot of people. And I think it's a shame because poetry being read aloud, for me, is the most exciting thing. Like Shakespeare would be horrified at the thought of people sat in silence studying his playtext in silence. Not that it's all about Shakespeare, but you know what I'm saying. So I wanted to set up a label that produced really good quality recordings. And obviously when I met you in a pub beer garden in Camden in 2016, Selena, things stepped up a little bit. And within a year we'd release Livewire on 2LP Gatefold Vinyl, which was shortlisted for the Ted Hughes Award. And last year I released Luke Wright's album 20 on vinyl as well. So it's something that's very, very important to me and that I'm very passionate about. But how do you go about it? Like, so you had the chat with Celine, you met Celine and that instigated that uh, live wire. Yeah. But so what, what instigate, what drives you to put a certain poet on record? What, what do you think it is? It's, I, I think the certain poets that much as I love reading Selena's work, um, there's certain poets that I just think really need to be heard as well and I think when you watch somebody perform and it makes the hairs on the back of your neck stand up there's the, it just connects with you on a different level and I would never suggest that any audio release is more important or should replace a book I just didn't think there was enough really good quality stuff out there and I think it's a shame I think it's a, it's another way for people to access it like somebody might listen to an album and then go on to read some poetry books but they never would have read the books without hearing the album uh, that, that doesn't count for everyone but just based on my background and where I came from I just I felt like it was really important do you think like it's also something you can do together you can sit down together and you can kind of listen with a, a party yeah or at dinner or you or kind of just having tea or something and you it, it's a communal thing yeah absolutely like being at a gig yeah 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 which obviously you can't do with a book I mean you can read the book to each other but like it's, it's you know it's it's a bit weird like listening to something on vinyl like like Scarlett was saying you sit down with your glass of wine put a vinyl on it's amazing it's a beautiful experience but the, the not enough of us experiences nowadays it's much better than Netflix and chill yeah <laughs> I agree and I do think there's something definitely very there's something about the way people choose to share a political message that I think is very twi is twinned with putting poetry and putting spoken word, recording it and putting it out there, no matter which way you do it, if you do it on vinyl or if you do it on an MP3. Yeah. Also, much as this might sound a bit daft, I think that some people find poetry difficult to read at first. When they're not used to reading it, if you've not studied it or anything, sometimes you don't get the gist, you don't get the rhythm, you might miss certain bits. When you hear someone reading it, it really, really it hooks you in on a different level and i think a lot of for a lot of people like i say it's a gateway and i just i just think certain work it's just it, it connects with you on such a visceral level when you hear the poet read it it's it's a right treat yeah especially if it's a if especially if it's a poet that does um a poem differently every time yeah there's some some poets do some poems a certain way every time so it's almost like acting in a way like they're kind of reading the script whereas um 
yeah other times it's it's kind of someone in the audience might shout something or 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 your mother might be in the audience or or someone might have someone in the poem might have recently died and have, and you just you just read the poem differently every time or you just bring it to life yeah and i think Tim. accent and dialect have a, an important part as well in recording i mean michael smith there completely different accent to mine but at the time when we were young and him and linton were reading it was like actually we can use our own accents mm. They're as valid as everyone else's. We don't have to be posh. Yeah, you know? that's really important. Yes. Yes, it's very important. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought right now we're going to hear a track from Kate Tempest, who's somebody who I first came across via Selena um, in Soho. Uh, and she's someone who spans the world of music, poetry, and um, almost rap music. People call her a rapper too. Yeah, and, and, and is doing... But that you know, so often, um, particularly in the olden days, we were asked to choose. Um, but but Kate, someone that isn't choosing, she's kind of doing it all books mm. and in print and on vinyl and in performance. And I love that about her. And yeah. uh, she's yeah, she's fantastic. Mm. Let's have some Kate. <laughs> The winter of our discontents upon us Desolate apostles lurking strongbow at the crossroads We are nothing but an eating mouth Esophagus colossal We won't stop until we're beating down a planet Into pellets before the interstellar mission To inflict more terror It's killing me, it's killing me, it's filling me I'm vomiting, it's stilling me Everything is fine, really, silly me Poor kids shot dead, poor kids locked up Poor kids saying this is the future that you left us Stocked up, lunch meat, processed Punch from an unclean fat cat Tasty, tasty poison Carcinogenic, diabetic, asthmatic, Epileptic, post-traumatic, bipolar and disaffected Atomized, thinking we're engaged when we're pacified Staring at the screen so we don't have to see the planet die What we gonna do to wake up? We sleep so deep it don't matter how they shake us If we can't face it, we can't escape it but tonight the storm's coming She's screaming, she's screaming The drones turned a beautiful boy into a pile of bones Nobody to bury, nobody is home Running from war, the boat's full The boat's sinking a mile offshore No beds in the hospitals, our minds are against us Imagine your daughter was gunned down Defenceless on her way to school There'd be uproar, but she's collateral damage It doesn't matter now if our kids are fine That's enough for us You can't love into a vacuum, there's got to be a limit Welcome to the biggest crime that's ever been committed You think you and I are Different kinds you caught up in specifics You and I apart are easier to limit The illusion so complete it's impossible To bring it into focus Cinematic stock footage You think people are locusts Uniform men keep our niche in explosives What we gonna do to wake up? We sleep so deep it don't matter how they shake us If we can't face it we can't escape it But tonight the storm's coming Tunnel vision, tunnel vision Work drinks, heartbreak can't face the past, the past a dark place Can't sleep, can't wake, sitting in our boxes Notching up our victories as other people's losses Another day, another chance to turn your face away from pain Let's get a takeaway You meet me in the pub a little later We'll say the same things as ever Life's a waiting game When we're gonna see that life is happening and every single body bleeding on its knees is an abomination And every natural being is making communication And we're just sparks, tiny parts of a bigger constellation We're minuscule molecules that make up one body You see the tragedy and pain of a person that you've never met Is present in your nightmares and your pull towards despair 
And the sickness of the culture and the sickness in our hearts is a sickness that's inflicted by this distance that we share. Now it was our bombs that started this war and now it rages far away so we dismiss all its victims as strangers but their parents and children made dogs by the danger. Existence is futile so we don't engage. But it was our boats that sailed, killed, stole and made frail. It was our boots that stamped, it was our courts that jailed and it was our fucking banks that got bailed. It was us who turned bleakly away, looked back down at our nails and our wedding plans. In the face of a full force gale, we said, well, it's not up to us to make this place a better land. It's not up to us to make this place a better land. Justice, justice, recompense, humility. Trust is, trust is something we will never see till love is unconditional. The myth of the individual has left us disconnected, lost and pitiful. I'm out in the rain, it's a cold night in London and I'm screaming at my loved ones to wake up and love more. I'm pleading with my loved ones to wake up and love more. leading you into another fight. The drip, drip, feed of images that cannot be unseen. Pass it on. As walls shut down, crumble. He shrugged, pleading to be allowed home. Loud then small. They'd privatize the world. Every boy, every girl. Dark rings under his blue eyes. Haunted by the child, amplifies distort all the more, looping the same tape like a pendulum between. Forget, then remember the terror. Or when I'm going to cry, blue-eyed child I still see in the night, carpets wet as it drips to the floor. I witness, drip, to be delivered from, of images that cannot be unseen, delivered from, drip. Too sick to leave, drip. Delivered from, the beast you breed. Truth flashes through sometimes, as the streets of love are drenched in blood. And it feels like the vultures have been circling for such a long time. And these are the days, I witness these days, full of blood, delivered from, like burning. They remember me in the night, the violence and chaos of days, too silently terrifying to fight, 
delivered from. Drip. Will swing in my dreams, keep on and on. Scratch the back of my retinas. The terror they bellow with their mouths. A thousand years old. Church is calling you back. Delivered from. Drip. Don't like the troublemaker that became of you since. On the blanket. Horror stacked up. Only to dissipate. The drip, drip feed of images that cannot be unseen. That black-haired boy like burning, but all the ends are the same. Through the wall, delivered from, drip. The not at all, just catch a glimmer. Terror drips on the floor, for chaos and dread, perturbed like silver. It's there, delivered from, drip. There is a Feel the terror through the walls, on his small shoulders. Sometimes you can smell it, but you feel it on the tube. Delivered from, drip. The pulse and surge and scream, drip feed, drip. Sometimes you smell it, my own days, they morph a different way. Drown out of what you pray. Delivered from drip. Too sick to stay. Terror picks people off one by one. Blood fills the streets of love. More horror with each wave. The horror stacked up. Too terrible. Delivered from drip. Disturbed as days distort get to feel they're not at all delivered from drip through the wall the weight of an endless journey the macabre and obscene offer a clause mouths delivered from drip learnt these things as a child same shapeshifters driving everybody wild delivered from drip can't control the prick of my skin. Turn on the news. Tell fear. In God's name. Delivered from. Drip. Drip feed. The sting and burn. Horror of these days. Witness. It all again. The rhythms off kilter and there's a corrupt filter only the silent scream of images too terrible to be unseen delivered from drip And that was Scarlet Savet with Cut Up. And previous to that, we played some Kate Tempest. You're listening to Roaring Twenties Radio on Soho Radio. I'm Selena Gordon here with my co-hosts, Amma Rose Abrams and Matt Abbott. And we're here with special guests, Scarlet Savet and Tim Wells. We've come to the part of the show where I'm going to tell you about some books that I love. So here are some books that I love at the moment. So 
On Sunday, I decided to sit down and read Billie Holiday's memoir, Lady Sings the Blues, from cover to cover. I just think it's such an astonishing, beautiful book, and it just really takes you away from modern time London and takes you back to some other time. She had such a hard life, but her courage and music and the musicality and the, the just, oh, she was so tough. And uh, I just want to be tough like her one day. Uh, she was so tough. And so um, I wanted to just tell you that book is out there. It's Billie Holiday, Lady Sings the Blues. And it's written um, with her and another uh, gentleman called William Dufty. And it was written two years before she died. Um, and I realized I'd never read it. So I sat down and spent a day reading it. And I'm so glad I did that. Another book I've been really loving is Some, 40 Tales from the Afterlife by David Eagleman. And it's beautiful. It's 40 very short, very trippy, crazy little stories about what happens when you die. And I love that because oh, I love a bit of death. Um, also, I've been reading Audre Lorde, um, The Black Unicorn. Um, it's always good to return to some of the real stuff and how, yeah, just beautiful rage, tenderness, fantastic poetry. So that's some poetry I've been visiting. Book that I'm going to read next, Things in Jars by Jess Kidd. I've heard so many good things about this. It's an unusual Victorian detective tale. So I'm going to be on that next. A book I've also loved recently is Signet by Susan Butler. Uh, she's a fantastic writer, Susan Butler. And I've, I really, really, li really liked this book and I'm looking forward to reading more from her. Also on my to-read list is The Mermaid of the Black Conch. That's by Monique Roffey. Um, I, haven't, I haven't read this yet, but it's set in the Caribbean. I was going <laughs> to read it over holiday but um, I, I didn't go to the Caribbean for the holidays so I was like I'll just torture myself if I read that because we had a plan to run away and go somewhere sunny for Christmas but it didn't happen so I was, I'm not going to read a sunny book and of course on my reading list is No Weakness by Tim Wells which is published by Bad Betty Press now something that happened this Christmas that's not happened to me before um, I got into audiobooks. I've always been a reader, um, but there was lots of people were poorly in my house and, and this, that and the other. So there wasn't a lot. So I was doing lots of cooking and hanging out and doing laundry, but I wanted to fill my head with words. So I, I got into audiobooks, which is something I've never really done, but I found I'd, I'd, I had a massive break from Twitter and um, Instagram and everything. Deleted all my apps, but the one app I didn't delete was... Uh, was my Audible app, which I'd never used. And so I downloaded um, this box set of Virginia Woolf, um, and I loved that. I also downloaded um, Alan Moore's Jerusalem. And then something more contemporary, I uh, or more... Um, yeah, sort of easier. Obviously, Alan Moore's Jerusalem is literally going to take me 97 years to finish listening to that. Um, but I listened to My Sister the Serial Killer by Oyakan um, Braithwaite. And I loved it. It's absolutely fantastic. So I really, um, that's like my first like, um, audio book that I've really, really loved and really got into. Does anyone else here listen to audio books? I do. And I, I started mainly because my job as a journalist requires me to read and write all day and sometimes I'm getting up, I'm going on the internet, I'm going on Twitter, I'm reading Twitter, I'm reading a lot of news, I'm transcribing, writing and by the end of the day my brain is tired <laughs> and my eyes are tired and as much as I want to have that feeling of taking in 
somebody else's universe I can't do it I can't focus and so I started listening to my my fa- my my stalwart is the um, New Yorker fiction podcast which I just feel is very escapist beautiful podcast and it's Deborah Treisman the fiction editor there and they have one writer picks one story from the history of the New Yorker and they talk about it in depth it's lovely you can get in the bath lie back but it, it's it's not it's not an easy listen. It's a you know it's there's a full on discussions and but there's I mean people feature like Orhan Pamuk, Murakami, really obscure stories from the beginning of the New Yorker. People that maybe only ever published a short story in the New Yorker, and it's these more famous writers now that are going back and pulling them out. And they talk about writing process, and they talk about. Um, just what they like about the book or the, the author's kind of a bit interesting and I like Backlisted as well which is a fantastic yeah one. Backlisted podcast is fantastic I really enjoy that I I um yeah it's a fan it's really good and a good way to find books that maybe you haven't discovered yet um while we're um still in the book section I need to mention that there's a new um anthology coming with Unbound I'm talking at John Mitchinson does Backlisted that's why I've come back here um and there's a new anthology coming called Made Possible um edited by Sabah Salman and it's stories of success by people with learning disabilities so for those of you that are a big fan of um the Unbound anthologies you might have read The Common People or The Good Immigrant or others then here's a new one on the way so look out for that yeah and I just won my latest one that I've started listening to because I love um, the journalistic ones, the ones where people get really into a story, like Serial was massive. But Ronan Farrow's To Catch and Kill about the, um, his investigations into Harvey Weinstein are amazing. It just, I don't want to, I'm not going to do any spoilers, but just it's like you've got the stories and then you've got the stories behind the stories and then the stories that came out of him just opening that Pandora's box in the way that he did. And even just the story of him getting it into publish is really lengthy and kind of complicated and fascinating. And, um, yeah, that was a fantastic one. And poems on vinyl, do you still get time to eavesdrop the neighbours and are having a row and hipsters on buses? I don't do podcasts on transport. <laughs> oh no, we need to we need to hear that. <laughs> what is what is the point otherwise? Okay, so it's time for a, one last quick round of the game, which twenties. We're listening to the Roaring Twenties radio show. And so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna say a quote or a little piece, a little fact or a little a little something, and you've got to tell me which twenties you think it was. If it was sixteen twenties, seventeen twenties, could have been fifteen twenties. Who knows what I've written here? Okay, so um, I've written quite a few earlier. So here's a quote. I'm not going to tell you who it was. Uh, okay. God created war so that Americans would learn geography. Uh, 1980s? That was Mark Twain, born oh. 1835. Oh, okay, I think we're coming to the end of our show. Yeah, we are. We're right up to the end of our show. Well, that went very quickly. Um, Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Scarlett. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, uh, Tim. Thank you. Um, So before we go, we should take a moment to just um, pay tribute to Roddy Lumsden. Roddy Lumsden uh, passed away last weekend. Um, It's a big shock to the community. His... 
I don't I'm stuck for words because it's it's just weird to think that someone that we were friends with, someone that we drank with and had beers with, someone that was like one of our great friends is not going to be there anymore in that way. I mean, he was a very giving person with poetry, Roddy. He pulled a lot of people from very diverse poetry places together. And in fact, when we were starting, well, me before you, but when we were spoken worders, it was Roddy particularly got us mixing up with all the um, page poets and university types and mm. created, helped create the really exciting mix we've got these days. Yeah, yeah. So we're raising a glass to Roddy Lumsden on the show today. Um, yeah. Before we go, would it be possible for you to read something, Tim? Let's have a poem by and end the show with a poem by Roddy Lumsden. I shared a flat with Roddy for about a year. And um, this is pretty much about that. And it's very accurate. This is from a book called Roddy Lumsden is Dead. And a poem is My Reptilian Existence. I feed just once a day. A swollen package of cheap meat, cold veg, salty bread and pungent sauces. I idle on the floor, unable to move and consider my fate. I taste the air on Manor Road for syrup pudding, jail bait, bin fires, crack laced Thai chicken. I like to skulk along the railway track, picking for kickshaws and tidbits in a summer day greenery. You poets can call me lazy, lazy all you like. Why don't you hook my scotch mouth over your tumbler and milk me for my venom? That's by Roddy Lumsden. May you rest in peace. You've been listening to Roaring Twenties Radio on Soho Radio. Thank you very much. You'll find us on Twitter at Roaring Twenties Radio and Instagram, Roaring Twenties Radio. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Sometimes in poetry, having a, a strong influence on your work uh, seems or feels like you're being seduced by that poet. This is a poem about a poet who I was lucky enough to know before he sadly died a few years ago, uh, Edwin Morgan, my fellow Scot. And this is a poem imagining an encounter with Edwin Morgan, but which of course is really about being uh, influenced by him. Kissing Edwin Morgan seems uncanny because he is gay and I am straight, and because the day is especially cold. A hungry kisser. Kissing him brings out the hive that is him. A hive. Are you with me? Grey buildings. Check. Difficulties. Check. I'm wrong for him, loose boy. We are on a corner, of course we are. Then in an alley, smooching. He talks of the desert, distant rivers, Greekery, the absolutes I will always fail to claim. I smooth him. Rats run the terrace, we are dallying on. He nods, says yes, do whatever. I hug him, of course I do. Love limits us over 
over specializing in this twisted lin of science. A bus passes and we both wave to the world its merry passengers, its dire chance. I have a train or plane to catch. I pat his perfect shoulder, say farewell. And then it is the night, alone. Night, the second best escape. Walk, walk in a heavy coat, maybe the future needs you.
school jukebox, crimson cracked leather stools, bare brick walls and neon lighting, bras on the ceiling exchange for the fizz, an open door policy to all who like it hard and fast. Outside, Islington, smokers shielding squinting eyes, inside, oblivion, flipping beer mats in solitude, cyclists and cabbies hostage to the heat, flight mode and Bombay drowning in defeat. My housemates swing by, try and get me to leave with them They know that I have therapy today at 2pm A job that neither wanted, reluctantly be good Forced to watch a car crash from the centre of the road LA woman, light my fire, play it dumb and fight desire Backdoor man, break on through, Mr Mojo make on strew No natural light, no clocks, no clue A finger down the throat says I'll last till two Love me two times, break on through Mr Mojo make on strew And I fall, I fall down Down and out And I love this place And I fall, I fall down From 3pm till come on fella let's be off till eyes glaze over and concrete feels soft I'm 20 and I'm petrified, I'm leathered and I'm lost Fleeing from reality regardless of the cost Down and out in London, tumbler in my hand Fumbling through a summer that I'll never understand A wallet stuffed with customer copies of card receipts A clammy forehead, 10 voicemails A masterful purveyor of good times the best. And I fall, I fall down, down and out, and I love this place. And I fall, I fall down, down and out, and I love this place. And I fall, I fall down, down and out. And I love this place